I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu. And as always, we've got lots to get into. It might be the summer. There might not be much action in terms of on the pitch, but there's lots and lots going on off of it. And we're going to get into all of that whilst also trying to work out what Arsenal's best 11 is. A big, big question at the moment, because obviously we've added Declan Rice, we've added Urian Timber, we've added Kai Havertz, we've lost Granite Xhaka. How should the midfield look? I think is the real big area of contention. We're going to get into all of that as well as rounding up the day's news. And I'm delighted to say that alongside me is good friend, uh, Dan Potts. Dan, welcome back to the channel, mate. It's been a while. How are you? Yeah, it's been too long, man. Apologies. I've been so busy, man. And I've been trying to get you on uh, to the show as well. And it's just been mental, hasn't it? So, um, but do you know what? It means that Arsenal have been busy, um, which is good for a start, bruv, because that was one thing I was worried about, Harry, as normal. We seem to wait a long time and we haven't done so this time, man. So pleasure to be on, mate. Pleasure. Nice. Good to have you, mate. Good to have you. How have you sort of enjoyed the summer so far? Because I, I know I always moan about it and I shouldn't moan about it because I'm very lucky to get to do what I do. But this summer has just been relentless, like... I know people are going to be sitting there saying, stop moaning, stop whinging. And, and they're well within their rights to do that. But for me, it's like every time I think, right, I'm going to take two or three days now and just scale it back a little bit, chill out. Something big happens, something major breaks, and then you've got to be all over it. And then there goes your break. And before you know it, you know, we're just a few weeks away from the season starting. Yeah, absolutely, man. This it's it's tough at the moment because when you do YouTube and everybody says, oh, you've got a nice break now. Um, You'd like to think that you would have, but the transfer window doesn't allow you to have a break, does it? So YouTube has been mad. Stuff with AFTV has been mad. And um, obviously my channel's uh, my channel's been busy too. So I suppose I'm enjoying it because I'm enjoying the weather and the chilling out side of things. But there's not so much that you can do chilling out wise when there's so much going on. But um, as I say, man, I'm happy because it means if I'm busy, it means that our football club is doing something right and quickly for the first time in what feels like a long time. So, yeah, man, it's all good, bro. It's all good. We're moving in the right direction. Uh, before we get into today's show and break down uh, some of the latest news stories, uh, if I could just ask you guys to leave a uh, like on the video if you're watching us on YouTube and you haven't done so already. It doesn't cost a thing. Uh, also, subscribe to the channel if you're joining us on YouTube and haven't done so already. We're creeping slowly towards that 30K mark, which we'd love to get to sooner rather than later. And a big hello to everybody that listens to us on audio as well, uh, because it's, it still blows my mind that this show is still probably got a bigger audience on audio, which is crazy when you think about sort of uh, the popularity of YouTube and all the rest of it. You guys do not go unnoticed, I promise you. I know we do these shows live on YouTube and all the rest of it, uh, but I promise you, you guys are just as much the heartbeat of this channel, this podcast, whatever you want to call it, uh, as anybody else. But yeah, uh, great to see so many of you with us in the live chat. Okay, uh, let's round up then some of the latest Arsenal news, uh, first and foremost. Uh, let's discuss the Arsenal squad that has headed out to the US. They've already landed. Uh, they're getting ready uh, to go. MLS All-Stars game uh, to come up, a game against Manchester United, a game against Barcelona too to follow. Uh, this is the squad in full that's made the trip. And we'll discuss the situation around some of the absentees in just a moment. But it's Ramsdale, Saliba, 
Tierney, White, Gabriel, Saka, Odegaard, Jesus, Martinelli, Timber, Runison, Runison, uh, Enketia, Kivio, <laughs> Holding, Tomiyasu, Trossard, Jorginho, Vieira, Elneny, Balogun, Marquinhos, Havertz, Hein, Trusty, Zinchenko, Rice, and Amario Cozier Dubri. Big shout out to my former maths teacher as well, Mr. Cozier, because Amario Cozier Dubri is his nephew, and he's so, so proud of him, um, and as he should be. So, um, big shout nice. out to you, uh, Mr. Cozier as well. Claim claim to fame, Harry. Johnson. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you Never go. knew that one. There you go. Um, right. So some of the key absentees. Uh, no Thomas Partey. Uh, he is expected to join up uh, with the squad at some point this week. The same goes for Emile Smith-Rowe, who's also staying behind. Although the Smith-Rowe one is a little bit more understandable because obviously he took part in the under-21 championships. Uh, no Reese Nelson, who is apparently injured. I know there is some speculation around a court case that he may be involved in and that being the reason that he's not going. But I'm told that he has got an injury. Uh, also, Pepe uh, and Lokonga miss out, both through injuries as well. Uh, Pepe had a torrid time with injuries at the back end of last season. That has continued on into the summer. And Lokonga obviously missed out on the Germany trip as well uh, because of that. Thomas Partey, though, Dan, I, I do want to talk about this because... Like, I'm not saying that the two are linked, but he is being linked by some quarters now with a move away to Saudi Arabia as well. First of all, would it be the right thing to let Thomas Partey go at this stage, given that our midfield is going through so much change? Is it not important to have some sort of continuity off the back of what we did last season? Yeah, this one worries me uh, more than anything, actually, Harry. I think Thomas Partey, people forget how great he was, how consistently good he was. And everyone seems to remember the last four games he had of the season, which were pretty which were pretty poor. Um, and rightly so, they were pretty poor. But I don't think you can sit and ignore the 30-odd games that he had in the league where he was outstanding. For me, he was one of our best players throughout that period. And I think if we're to let him go, we're going to have to be looking at replacing him. And, you know, I asked at the start of the season, I think we might need two centre midfielders. That was with Granite Chaka going. Um I feel like we're still going to need two midfielders coming in, even with Rice, if Thomas Partey's going, because otherwise, how much stronger are we? I look at Kai Havertz and I don't see him as a Granite Chaka midfielder. I personally, I don't know that he is 100% going to play there, um, although everyone believes he is. Is he better than Granite Chaka? I would suggest no, not in that position. Probably as a footballer, technically, yes. Is Declan Rice um, enough to replace the likes of Chaka and Partey? I mean, he might have to be if he's going to be the only one coming in. So I'd be very, very surprised if we sold party and didn't replace him is what I'm getting at. Um, is it the right thing to do? No. At the same time, Harry, if he doesn't want to be at the club, we're going to have to say goodbye to him. Um, if the opportunity arises and he fancies, like many, going over to Saudi Arabia, I'd like to think we can get as close as we paid for him in terms of a money uh, value. But... I think he'll be missed because I think he was so pivotal. And I actually say it now, I think our midfield trio was pivotal to what we did last season in terms yep. of Erdegaard, Shaka, and Party. And I think it's going to be very, very difficult to replace that. And it's quite a risk, to be honest, to completely gut your midfield out and change and go again. I'm really happy with the Declan Rice signing. I think Kai Havertz, unlike yourself, I'm a little bit worried. But I do feel like there's potential for him to be judged in an Arsenal shirt. But we're going to need more in the midfield if Thomas Partey's going as well as Granite Chaka for me, man. 
We're going to talk about the best 11 uh, currently a little bit later on, and we'll address the Havertz situation because although I'm confident in his ability as a footballer and although I believe that he was a good signing, I'm not 100% sure about this role that he's being talked about as potentially playing yeah. in that midfield. So we'll, we'll come on to that a little bit later on. You, you mentioned there that, you know, if Thomas Partey doesn't want to be at the club, then then we should let him go. What I find really interesting is that whenever I've tried to push on this story or find out a little bit about it, the, the thing that we keep getting back is actually Thomas Partey is really happy at Arsenal and doesn't have okay. any concerns, any issues uh, with that. And maybe, which, well, I'm not saying it does mean that, but perhaps that suggests that this idea of Thomas Partey leaving, if there is any basis to this, is maybe being driven by Arsenal, who maybe think that they can get 40-odd million pounds for him, just like Liverpool are about to get 40-odd million pounds for Fabinho and feel like this is the perfect time to cash in. I just wonder if they've lost faith, if Mikel Arteta and his team have lost faith in Thomas Partey's ability to stay fit and and to maintain his level throughout an entire season. Hmm. I, I don't know. Do you, do you think that it could be being driven by the club this for it, financial it, reasons? It could be, but I would find it very odd if that is the case for the pure facts that I feel that he is probably the only comparison Arsenal have had to the likes of Rodri and Casemiro in the, this level of league. People were talking about him being at that level or just below it. I think when you bring Rice in, for me, I want Rice and Party to be playing together. I don't want Rice to be playing instead of, and I don't want Party to have to leave because of that. For me, it's about strengthening. It's not about replacing, because if you're going to replace players, you're not actually going to build and strengthen your depth. So for me, I think this is about trying to see what Thomas Party and Arsenal want to be doing moving forward. What I don't want to do is start saying it's a disgrace because then I'll start getting the hump that party's going and all of a sudden Caicedo walks in the door. So we have to see what Arsenal's plan are when the window shuts. But I do think this is a big risk for Mikel Arteta at the moment to be getting rid and gutting both Chaka and Party after how influential they've been, particularly Thomas Party. Um, over the last few uh, couple of seasons, he's been at Arsenal. And Granit Xhaka, to be fair, particularly this season, just gone. So it's going to have to be an improvement on that. And I think it's going to be hard to improve that because it was so good. For me, Lavia doesn't improve on that. Do you agree? No, no, no. For me, Lavia is a very good player in the next few years. I don't think he's a Thomas Party yet. I think he could do, Harry. The way I see this kid, I think, oh, yeah, he looks good. Don't get me wrong. Like, if he comes into the Arsenal, I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, I'm, I'm disgraced by it. He is a very good, talented boy. But I think if you're looking at party going, we're going to have to get Chouameni, uh, De Jong, uh, somebody of that, Caicedo, somebody of that level for me, um, for Arsenal not to have dropped off. Because Lavia at 19, although I think he's good, I don't see that as a, a Thomas party equivalent, if I'm honest. Just to kind of round up on the uh, US tour squad, uh, that's where we started. Uh, I know we kind of went off into a, a party discussion, <laughs> which is obviously fine. But um, Waneri, uh, Walters and Lewis Skelly all miss out. They were all involved in the trip to Germany. This is because uh, we're told that Mikel Arteta is wanting to work with the players that he feels are going to be most heavily involved during the Premier League season, which makes sense, isn't it? You want to get that continuity. You want to build that togetherness. So although they're, they're young lads that have done brilliantly, particularly in one area, I thought played really well uh, in what we saw from him against Nuremberg the other day, uh, but he is not in the squad. Cozy Adubri is in, and there have been suggestions that he's just that little bit further down the, the sort of progression line from an Arsenal perspective. So I'm really interested to see how he gets on 
uh, in the US tour. Just just on that as well, Harry, I yeah. went to the game in when the World Cup was on and um, me and my dad went to the Emirates to watch the Juventus game and it was a yeah. really poor game. I can't lie. I don't know if you went, but um, and when Ethan and Winery and Cozy Dubri both came on and to be fair, were the only two shining lights in the game. Um, and it's interesting for me that Cozy Dubri's got the nod ahead of Winery, but is there a potential, do you think, that both of those could be looking at loan options. I don't know, because for me, I'd like to see them play first-team football this season. I know they're young and they need to do their their their, their work, but I would be surprised if some teams don't come knocking on the door for these two because they've been pushing, knocking on the door for Arsenal for the kind of bench for a while now. And I, I think they, if there's an opportunity for them to play first-team football, bulk up a bit, even if it's championship level, I think that would be a good thing for them. So there's a couple of things here. I, I do think that Arsenal rate uh, Cozier Dubry as being ready uh, or, or readier perhaps than mm. maybe um, Rule Waters is or maybe not so much Maneri because we saw him come on in a Premier League game. I mean, what bigger compliment can you give yeah. a young player than that? You know, make him your youngest ever player. So although the, the kind of the, the sort of narrative that we're getting back from Arsenal is that, you know, they think that Cozier Dubry is is far enough down the line to be in consideration. I do think that his position plays a big part in this. So he is a right winger and we still don't have direct cover really for Bukayo Saka. Marquinhos is back at the club, um, you know, and, and obviously plays in that position. But from what I'm hearing, I don't think they're a hundred percent decided on whether he's going to stay at the club uh, for the new season. There have even been some suggestions that he could be sold permanently, um, which to me feels a bit of a shame, but we'll see. Uh, but I think because Cozy Dubry is a right winger, I think that's propped him up the line. If you think about Wanieri in the position he plays and you think of the sort of competition there in that midfield, you know, you've got Rice has, Rice has come in, Havertz has come in. I don't think that Mikel Arteta is ready to give up on Fabio Vieira just yet. Um, you know, he's got Jorginho in there. He's got Elneny back in the picture as well. He's a very experienced player. I think the midfield is is quite rich in terms of options in comparison to the right wing, which is why for me, another reason not to take anything away from Cozy Dubry, but it's almost an opportunity for him because of that. Do you know, do you, do you think that's right? Yeah, I think you could be right. Um, the good thing is, Harry, we're talking about youngsters coming through again. We're talking about young players, even though we've got young players in our first 11, it seems weird, doesn't it? That we're talking about which youngsters are going to be ready. Well, Saka's 21, <laughs> Martinelli's 21, you know, Smith Rowe's 22 and he's, one of the ones that you look at as not a youngster anymore. These kids are playing first-team football already. Um, but I think you're right in what you've said. I don't think I, I disagree with much there. Um, I think Ethan and Waneri's biggest compliment is that he came on against Brentford. That shows to me straight away and shows to him that the manager's got belief. Um, and every time I have seen Cozy Dubri, I've heard good things and now I've seen good things. So it's a, it's a good opportunity for him to go away and get some experience. But for me, it shows that there's belief in him from the manager. So that's what's really important for me more than anything. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Um, let's talk about uh, Bitello, who Arsenal are being linked with, midfield player uh, from Brazil. But, uh, of course, uh, Gremio's president has come out and said that there's no proposal in place. Do you know anything about this lad? I'd be lying if I said I knew a great deal about him. No, I don't. And what worries me more is that he's 23. Or not worries me, what I find interesting, I should say, uh, and he's a bit surprising, is that he's 23. The age thing does it for me. Normally when they're 18, 19, or even 17, like Martinelli was, you see that they've got potential to be one for the future. As a 23-year-old, I'd want to be playing first-team football. 
And he's not going to come to Arsenal be guaranteed first-team football. All I do know is that apparently, from what I've been reading up and researching about, is that although he's been classed as a central midfielder, he can play in most of the attacking options in midfield, right, left and central. So I think that could be... You know, we're talking about Arteta's players. They're all quite versatile, aren't they? They have not just one position. So if he was to come into the mix for £10 million, I'm not so sure that he'd be starting many games, but he might give us some strength in depth. And if the Edu uh, factor has got anything to do with it, he's obviously a fan because he loves his Brazilian players. So this one could be an interesting one. But again, it's not one that I've, I can say I'm excited about Harry because I don't know much about him, bro. Yeah, fair play. Same here. Um just hearing that uh, following Balogun has been speaking about his future, um, which I will uh, I will get you some update on very, very shortly. I'm, I'm literally WhatsApping to get that information uh, <laughs> while we're talking here. Um, on the subject of him, Dan, uh, Inter are expected to make a 40 million euro uh, bid for him because their move for Romelu Lukaku has collapsed. We haven't spoken, I don't think, in a while about Balogun. What are your thoughts on him and his future, first of all? And then we'll talk about the likelihood of this move materialising. Um, I think this is how they have a lot to do with Florian Balogun. I really do. Um, I have no doubt in my mind that if Balogun wants to stay at Arsenal, there's a position for him, there's a future for him. We're not stacked up top. We've got Gabriel Jesus. And other than that, there's a huge drop-off, whether it be Trossard, Eddie or Balogun. I think all three of them are a drop-off. Um, Lukaku, I hope we don't get linked with that that guy. I, I, I don't want him. I really don't want him to come near to Arsenal. If I'm honest, that's not a player that would excite me. But um, Inter Milan, I can see why they're looking at a young centre-forward. You know, there was interest apparently from Chelsea as well. I'd be devastated if that was to happen. Um, I don't want to be strengthening our rivals with young young talent. He went to France and he did really well. But remember, he went to Middlesbrough and apparently was really poor. Um I don't think Florian Balogun is going to be a, a terrible signing for anybody. And I think if he was come back to Arsenal, he could do a job. But I think he wants to play first-team football and be guaranteed to play first-team football. And Arsenal can't do that. Now, if we can get £40 million and over, that's unbelievable business, Harry. For someone who's been at Arsenal for not very long um, in terms of the, uh, flirting with the first team and has only had one season on loan, let's be real. Yeah, yeah he scored goals, but Lacazette scored goals over there as well. You know, he scored 27 goals, I think, Lacazette. Um, Balogun got 22. Now, we got rid of Lacazette because he wasn't good enough. So if we're going to be bringing this guy in and expecting us to him to be the Haaland of our of Arsenal, that, that ain't going to happen, in my opinion. Um, so if we can try and flirt with the idea of getting between 40 and 50 million, yeah, I, I wouldn't be against that, particularly if that's going to go uh, uh, quite a, a, far, a far way to getting somebody to replace him. Because um, I think we probably need to do that, Harry, if I'm honest. If we're going to get rid of Balogun, we're probably going to need another forward of some sort, whether it's somebody who can play across the front three or if it's someone to back up Gabriel Jesus. Um, it'll be an interesting one, though, and I think it's good money. If we're looking at potentially Party and Balogun leaving for around the same price, between 40 and 50 million, yeah. that is enough money to go and get a Caicedo. Do you know what I mean? Or to go and put towards somebody up top. So I would not be against that at all, mate. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to get some uh, steer on what these following Balogun quotes uh, are saying. Uh, my colleague at 90 Min is there literally over in the States and she sent me across uh, a couple of little videos. I don't know if I'm going to be able uh, to play them, though, uh, live on the show. I'm trying to download them onto the software that we're streaming with and hoping that I can get them in. Uh, but it will be really, really interesting uh, to hear what following Balogun has to say 
on that question. I'm sure he will say something along the lines of, I'm really focused on the here and now and, and doing my best with Arsenal, etc., etc." Uh, and I'm told that we've got some Arteta bits coming through as well. So uh, we, we might have to bring that to you in a separate video uh, after we wrap up here. But um, yeah, going to be really, really interesting to see what happens with Balogun. Um, Inter's interest is serious from what I understand. I just, you know, we talk a lot about this 50 million price point that Arsenal have supposedly uh, set. I just, I can't see us achieving that from an Italian side. I just can't. Um, I just can't. And, and you know, that's that's the reality of it. And also, you know, I keep talking about this, but his stock right now is at the highest it's probably going to be. Yeah. So it's a bit like, it reminds me of the Joe Willock situation where you just have to maybe just say, right, let's take the money. And um, yeah, we, we might be losing someone that could potentially develop into a, a really top player, but we got good money. It's fair game. We move on. I don't know. You wouldn't want to lose out on that potentially not happening again. And what I mean is we got offered 20 million for Rainsley mate and Niles, didn't we? And we've now let him go on a free and really we should have let him go to Wolves if his Arteta's plan was not to use him. Um, yeah. And I wonder if Arteta's plan is to not use Balogun. If he doesn't use Balogun, let's say he stays at Arsenal, doesn't kick a football we're going to try and sell him in the summer for probably 20 million because he's not played football for a year. So that's why I wouldn't be against selling him for 40 to 50 million right now. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Um, we're going to take a very, very short pause and then we're going to take uh, a look at what we believe to be Arsenal's best 11. I'll share uh, with you guys mine on the screen and then Dan uh, will pick it apart, basically, and uh, pick <laughs> his best 11 based on the players. That Arsenal have brought in. Is this going to be one of those rare occasions where Harry Simeon and Dan Potts agree? Uh, we'll find out just after the break. Be with you in a sec. Right, let's do this. Uh, let me share my screen one second. Uh, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? I'm looking for my uh, Arsenal 11. Okay, so um, my Arsenal 11 right now looks really, really similar, actually, to the Arsenal eleven that we would have said was the best eleven last time around. Partey remains in my eleven in midfield. Rice comes in to replace Granit Xhaka directly, and that is it in terms of changes for me. So for the benefit of those of you uh, listening on the audio platforms, my Arsenal best eleven right now is Ramsdale in goal, White, Saliba, Gabriel and Zinchenko across the back. A midfield three uh, with Partey uh, in the middle and uh, Rice and Odegaard playing in the two eight roles. Saka on the right, Martinelli on the left, Jesus through the middle. I just can't right now, based on what we've seen today, and this might change uh, over the coming weeks, months, but right now, based on what I know, I just cannot put Havertz in that starting lineup or Yuri and Timber. I think they've got to fight their way in and I think they've got to earn their way into the side. What what what's your take on this, uh, Dan? Well, you're right. We are going to agree um, because that. For oh me, my god! I know, bro. <laughs> I know. I know. I can't believe it myself, but I am spot on with you. Every single position. I can't even say you've got any of them uh, that have been wild takes. Um, Yuri and Simba would definitely get into this side potentially because he has got a lot of quality. Where though? But. Where? Exactly my question. But where is the question? And it is going to take potentially an injury. Um, and then he might... Do you know, like when, let's say... Um, I'm trying to give an example now and it's, I'm gone blank. But let's just give this an example. Ben White 
definitely deserves to be starting. Let's say he gets a knock for three weeks. Timber comes in and he's absolutely outstanding. Doesn't put a foot wrong. Then Ben White's forced to come back into the side. He's got to then fight for his place. This is what I want to see, Harry, in every single position. Yeah, Zinchenko gets a knock. Tierney comes in. Can't drop Tierney because he's been too good. Martin, yeah. then he gets a knock. Smith Rowe gets himself back in. Can't drop Smith Rowe now because he's been so good. That's what I want to be seeing, man, in every single position. At the mm. moment, we don't have that, do we? At the moment, we have uh, the last season scenario. Saliba gets back. Oh, Christ, when's he back? Because holding's not good enough. Come on, come on, Saliba, get back in. I'm hoping that in the near future, we won't be have saying that because we're saying, oh my God, Saliba's mustard, but you're seeing how good Jurian Timber's been here or Ben White's come back into the middle and he's sensational. We haven't conceded a goal. That's what I need to be seeing. Um, so this 11 looks really good and I'm totally with you. Kai Havertz, if party goes, I think everyone's expecting Rice to be holding and then yeah. Havertz to be in the, uh, where Declan Rice is now and Erdegaard stays in. I'm not so sure I like that, and I'll tell you as to why. I think Kai Havertz, people underestimate what Granite Xhaka did last season in that role. And this is coming from me, by the way. Yeah, bloody <laughs> He's never <up>. been a <laughs> huge fan of, of Granite Xhaka. But I think they underestimate how important his role was defensively as well as going forward. And it's something that people didn't talk about because they were so used to how progressive Granite Xhaka was. But there was still a lot of discipline and, and, and defensive ability to his game, in my opinion. I don't know if you agree with that. And I think with Zinchenko and Havertz and Martinelli, there's not much defensive quality on that left-hand side, in my opinion, which means Gabriel needs to have a good season if that's going to be yeah. the team. And I do worry that Kai Havertz just doesn't fit into that mould. And I think that playing Havertz and Erdegaard, that is extremely attacking. Technically brilliant with them four going forward. But is Declan Rice and Gabriel going to have a hell of a job there? Um, potentially so. I think Ramsdale, there's no denying that he's going to be number one. I've mentioned Ben White. I think he deserves to start. I don't think he's put a foot wrong. Saliba and Gabriels complement each other. I think Zinchenko starts as a first-choice left-back. But Kieran Tierney, I think, if he does stay, definitely deserves more game time in the games that I think he's needed more defensively, away from home against some strong physical presence sides. Declan Rice walks into this midfield alongside Erdegaard. It's whether party is going to be there or not. And I think that we need somebody else in there. And Rice may be coming in uh, as an eight, like Granite Chaka was, because I think Rice would be superb in that eight role. And I think yep. somebody else holding, like Lavia or Caicedo, who we've mentioned. And then I think that front three just picks itself, man. Gabriel Jesus is going to be great for us this season because he needs a season without injury. You know, a lot of people are saying about who's going to be the one that improves on last season. He's the only one I can pick, really, just because of the injury. I really think that Jesus can score a lot more. He's a little bit wasteful and I need him to stop that so that not, no one's talking about that. But for yeah. me, I think I agree with everything you've put there, Harry. I can't really disagree at all, bro. I'm a little bit, um, I'm struggling a little bit with uh, this whole, I've seen it, a couple of people have said it in the comments that, uh, here we go. Um, MM says, Harry, it's actually Odegaard on the left, Havertz on the right. There, there's no way for me that Mikel Arteta is going to take Martin Odegaard out of that right-hand channel in nah. which he's performed so well and he links up so well with Saka. And the dynamic on that right-hand side is so good. The connection is there. Why would you toy with that? I, I don't agree with that. A couple of players that, that we need to mention, I agree with you that Timber probably has the quality to, to play in this side, but where, I don't know exactly. And if we do go with the whole Havertz thing and Odegaard in the midfield with Rice as the six, I do think what you're going to see is probably... Uh, a little bit of what we saw at the end of last season, which is Gabriel, for example, 
having to move out left, Saliba tucking in, White coming in as a, a third centre-half, and Arsenal basically in certain phases playing like this, mm. um, which we see anyway with this team. We do see that shapeshift happen. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. Um, as for some people talking to Millsmith-Rowe, I don't see that as happening. Um, not in the first team, I don't think he's going to waltz straight back into the picture. I think he's got a long way to go before he's going he's gonna to convince everybody that he, he should be in that side. I have managed to upload that following Balogun video. So following Balogun, literally 10 minutes ago, has been speaking uh, from the US tour live uh, to uh, my colleague at 90 Min, uh, Lizzie Becherano, who's over there now. Uh, I think, Dan, let's, uh, let's cross over. Let's have a little listen to what following Balogun has had to say. It's a couple of clips which I've managed to string together mid-podcast, so you have to forgive me if the edit isn't great. But here we go. Let's have a listen. Fantastic. Uh, for US Soccer, I mean, this is what uh, this is what needs to happen, I think. It's going to become bigger, as I said from the beginning. This is just the start for US Soccer. I definitely think uh, the future's bright, so I'm sure they'll bring a lot of attention, and it's just about retaining them. What do you think about the league as a, as a whole? Is maybe MLS in the plan somewhere at some point in your career? I mean, yeah, I'm still quite young, but uh, so I'm sure uh, like my focus for now is in Europe and trying to just do the best I can. But uh, I'm sure you never know what could happen in football. I'm sure at the end of my career or towards the end, uh, it might be an option. Uh, and you never know the direction it could go and if it becomes bigger, you never know what could happen. So Nations League was obviously your debut with the US men's national team. What went through your mind when you were putting on that jersey? Yeah, I mean, I was so proud, you know, even thinking about it now, I just overwhelmed with emotion. It was such a fantastic time for me. Probably the best, the best month of my, my life, you know, not even my career, my life. I just met so many new people. Um, the experience in general to play in front of um, the home fans, it was amazing. And then of course the winner, it's just fantastic. The Women's World Cup starts this week. Uh, any who you're supporting? I mean, obviously you play for the US national team, you're probably supporting the US. Do you pay a lot of attention to, to that women's soccer tournament? Uh, I mean, goes without saying, of course, they'll have my support. Um, before, I haven't really paid a lot of attention to um, just women's football in general. I think uh, I've just genuinely just gravitated towards watching men's football. But I mean, it's becoming bigger and definitely I'm going to be uh, paying attention to it. Okay. Um, so obviously there's a lot of talk of a move to AC Milan and the summer transfer window. Are you looking for that move or fighting for a place on this team? To be honest, I mean, um, I was away for the year, so I'm just back. I'm obviously just focused on pre-season with the team. Uh, it's nice to see everyone, uh, the staff, but I'm really just focused here and uh, of course my agent and my family are dealing with this. And now obviously you're playing with the US men's national team, you're playing against, with a lot of these players and you're against them at the MLS All-Star. How are you feeling about facing former teammates? Yeah, I mean it's amazing, it's a new chapter for me. Um, so nice to just uh, be back here and I mean uh, definitely I'm sure I'll see some of the players uh, that was at the Nations League for my first tournament and I'm sure I'll say hi to them and we'll catch up. There we go. Following Balogun uh, speaking uh, to Lizzie Becherano there from 90 Min uh, over uh, in DC ahead of the MLS All-Stars game. Uh, he literally did exactly what I said he would do, Dan, which was <laughs> um, sort of dance around the question, which you'd expect. But just interestingly, I I don't think he completely killed the possibility of a move, did he? He said, my family no. and my agent are dealing with it. He didn't pour cold water on the idea. 
No, he didn't. He was interested. He was very well scripted. It comes across really well, actually, to be fair to him. You know, when you get like some of these youngsters come across the media, you think, wow, this is the first time they've done that. Um, he seemed comfortable. He seemed confident. And to be fair to him, I think he does know what he wants deep down. Um, interesting when they said, oh, about MLS move, he said, oh, I'm concentrating on Europe, not concentrating on Arsenal uh, or England. So that was quite an interesting one, I thought. So that he's kind of left the door open there that he's going to be staying in Europe. But is he going to be staying in England? We're not so sure. So I thought that was quite um, quite uh, interesting comment. So, listen, it's not going to tell us a lot. And fair play to him. He's not going to make it clear where he's going or if he's happy staying. But um, he's definitely got one for the future. And I think he's realised how young he is at the age that he is. He knows he's got a, a good future potentially. And I'm sure that he'll be looked after by family, agents and friends. But um, I'm OK with this one, Harry, either way. Because I know if he's leaving, we're getting good money. And if we're staying, we've got potentially a good player. So I don't think Arsenal are really going to be like, missing out massively either way on this one in my opinion yeah interesting isn't it interesting i know we kind of well i don't think we cut our lineup chat short i don't think there was really much more to discuss on that um i think we both agreed on what the best team was with thomas Partey and without thomas Partey. um but we had to jump across uh to get uh the latest from following balligan who as we say didn't exactly dismiss the potential idea of a move uh, away from Emirates Stadium. So that's one that you need to be keeping a close eye on, I'm sure. Right. I think what we'll do is um, let me just check my list. I haven't missed anything off, have I? I've been so distracted trying to sort that bloody clip out. <laughs> we were mid live. Done well show. there, mate. I don't know how you managed to get all that in time. I was amazed. Literally, I was like, it, was oh, a, wow. it was a nightmare because I, I downloaded the clips, right? They got sent to me. It was two clips. I downloaded them. I tried to string them together on iMovie, just literally on my second laptop while I was here, while we were talking. I did that. I exported it. And then the file was too big <laughs> for me to upload to StreamYard. So I had to then go online, find a file converter, convert it down to a smaller size, and then upload it to StreamYard. We got there in the end, but it wasn't, oh, well done, it wasn't exactly the walk in the park that I hoped for. Um, one more thing I wanted to talk about before we take questions. So if you've got questions, start filling them up. Uh, start filling the chat box up now uh, with them, please. Uh, put a cue at the beginning of them if you can. That really, really does help. Um, the value of this Arsenal squad is incredible at the moment. And there's been a lot of talk over the last few weeks about Arsenal spend. You know, there's that narrative of, well, Arsenal have spent this amount of money over the course of the last three years. What is it? 600 million over Arteta's tenure so far. Therefore, they have to absolutely win the Premier League title. Arsenal's squad now, given that spend, is valued, according to Transfermarkt, at £1.2 which is bigger or higher in terms of its value than Manchester City's, than Paris Saint-Germain's, than Real Madrid, than Bayern Munich's, than Chelsea's. That is the confirmation, I think, that everybody needs that Arsenal have spent this money wisely and it's not just been about what they've brought in they've been able to develop nurture and then extend contracts of key young players which obviously drives that value up because you haven't paid mm. money for them you've paid six six million for Martinelli what is he worth today you've paid nothing for Saka what is he worth today so they've managed to really balance things really nicely I think and put Arsenal in a really really strong position now yeah, massively so. And I think it proves one thing, Harry. Player potential is more expensive than current ability. That's for sure. Because if you look at current ability, 
Arsenal wouldn't get um, a world 11 of Arsenal players, but with the most expensive on the market, which means that potentially we have some well beaters in our in our lineup. Um, I also think as well, it's credit to Mikel Arteta and Edu for what they've done in terms of their recruitment. I think that they've gone the right way about it for that to be the case. And if anybody was to walk into this side now and manage it, they'd have a brilliant lineup set for the next few years. If anybody wanted to have to go, do you know what? We've got some problems cash-wise. We need to sell a couple of these players. We've got quality players to be selling. Not that I want to see that happening. So I think we're in a good place um, as far as we're concerned with that. But what I will say is that when you look at what we have spent and what they're now worth, for the first time in a long time, we're able to make some money on players if we had to. I can't yeah. remember the last time we've ever done that. We've been really poor at that, to be fair, mate. We've always managed to buy players in and then have to either get rid of them for nothing, pay them to go, or just miss out massively on money. There's only really Joe Willock, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, and Alex Iwobi that I can look at and think we're actually sold for fairly decent money. I don't really know many others that way you have to go back to the Arsene Wenger days and do like a Nicolas Anelka where you buy him for a few hundred thousand and sell him for 25 million. Can't think of many others that we've done that with, if I'm honest with you, H. So it's really, really difficult um, to to knock what we've done in the last couple of years in terms of recruitment. Where my downfall is we've got to go and win something with this side now. There's no more excuses for me. It's got to be something we look at come the end of May and go, look at what we've achieved with this young side and this young manager. So that's going to be the biggest thing for me now. Um, and there's going to be some pressure if that doesn't happen, I think. So, yeah, really important. We've managed to put together a side which I think is good enough. And um, we need to prove that it is now by winning something, in my opinion. So you're going to be ramping up the pressure now on Arsenal going into the new season. Look, I think generally well, I think speaking... There's, I mean, listen, everyone, my thoughts on on what has and hasn't happened and trusting the process and believing the manager's good enough and the board are going to back it, etc. I've had opinions on that that have been very, very clear, I think, for most of the last couple of years that I've been looking at what this football team are doing, what this football club are doing. But I do think there's massive pressure on a process that has been four or five years in the making now. When do we when do we expect Arsenal to be able to win a major honour? When is, is that another five years? I don't think so. I think it's now. I think we've proven this season that we can be title challengers. Now we've got to go and win something, bro. Yeah, I, I think the expectation level rises. I don't think there's any question yeah. about that. Um, I just, I guess my pushback would always be that just in football, there is no guarantee. And I yeah, think of that, you know, you can, you can sit there and you, so for example, let's say Arsenal narrowly missed out on the title next season. That wouldn't necessarily mean that the process was wrong if that makes mm. sense, because mm. you could still do all the right things in football and miss out because you're unfortunate in some way. Get You don't get the rub of the green, deflected goal, own goal, whatever. Like I'm just saying that there are so many variables in football that all you can do 100% is make yourself competitive. And then you're relying on other factors as well to get yourself over the line. I agree with you, though, that the expectation level is rising, not just within the club, but externally as well. You listen to anybody uh, of of any other club, any supporters, followers, they're all talking about Arsenal now and they all think that Arsenal should go on and, and do something here. For me, I want to see Arsenal competing right until the end again. And if we get over the line, I'll be fucking delighted. <laughs> but I also know that we're up against an incredibly strong Manchester City side who have got not just Pep Guardiola, but some questions over a lot of the business and work that they've done as well. 
Um, you know, innocent until proven guilty. I, I very much do believe that. Um, but it is a factor here and uh, and it needs to be considered as well. Uh, but anyway, let's um, let's dive into the chat box. Let's take some of the questions uh, from those of you in the chat. Just a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, please do leave a like on the video. We've just got to 100 likes. But given how many of you are watching, guys, that's nowhere near where we want to be. Um, smash the like button if you haven't done so already. Can I ask you a question, Dan? Why do YouTubers, and I've fallen into the category of doing this as well, why do they say smash the like button? Like you can't Hello, actually man. smash um, it, can you? You can, you can Weird, click it? it, you can press it, you can click it, you can caress it. Um, as long as they hit it, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or as long as they press it, should I say? Um, exactly. Yeah, make sure you do that, guys. Come on. Like a video, subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. And we'll give you details of Dan's channel uh, in a little bit as well. Uh, he can tell us a little bit about it, what he does, uh, what we can expect and how you guys can get over there and get subscribed. Uh, let's take this question from Lucas, who says, would you prefer Onana or Ramsdale at Arsenal? For me, this is easy. Um, Aaron Ramsdale, Arsenal's number one, should be England's number one, in my opinion. Um, Onana is a great shot stopper. But he's got a howler in him. I'm not saying Ramsdale hasn't, but Anana is someone that I think is going to cost United a fair few points over the course of particularly his first season where he finds his feet as well. What about you, Dan? Yeah, I'm with you. I've got a lot of time for Aaron Ramsdale in the last couple of years. I think he's been fantastic. And I do like Anana, actually. I think he's going to be a good goalkeeper for Manchester United. I think he's going to change their style. He's a modern-day goalkeeper, plays out from the back. His distribution's better than De Gea. I think he's got a good shot-stopping ability, and I think Eric Ten Hag knows him. But I would take Ramsdale because I don't think he's put much of a foot wrong in the last couple of years. I think he's been sensational. So he's my number one man, and he should be England's too. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Mohammed says, uh, we are still thin when it comes to the attacking options, be it a natural right winger so that we don't burn out Saka. And we need an out and out nine if we sell Balogun. Your thoughts, please. Are those two positions that you'd still be looking to address in this window? Finances permitting, we know that there isn't an unlimited amount of money available. So priorities have to be drawn up. But are they two positions you, you worry about or are concerned about? Yeah, I do, I do believe there too. If we're looking at the perfect 10 out of 10 window, then we're still a central midfielder short because we don't know what's going on with Thomas Partey. And I do think that a right midfield or winger and forward, um, we can do better than Nelson and Eddie. And that's nothing against Nelson or Eddie. I don't think Nelson and Eddie can win Arsenal a title. I do think that if we was to look at upgrading those two positions, I don't think it would be incredibly difficult when you look at what Eddie and Nelson's bracket is. I think that Nelson's done some great things for Arsenal when he came on and off the bench and made some really good inputs, great goals and great performances. Eddie and Ketty likewise stepped in for Jesus and did a job, but I need players to do more than a job now. Uh, we're going for a title. You can't do a job against Man City. You've got to be better than them. So for me, Yes, I think right wing and centre forward, we are definitely still short in my opinion, Harry. BX Gunner 81 says, why are there no serious links for our Deadwood um, regarding moves away, i.e. Eddie? I wouldn't put Eddie in the Deadwood category. I think that's a bit harsh. Cedric, Holding and Tavares. Well, I always say this going into every window. If you don't want them, what makes you think that everybody out there is going to want them? Yeah. And also... Add to that the fact that the clubs that maybe do have an interest will feel that they can get a better deal towards the back end of the window. Why Why would they move now? It, it doesn't make any sense. So patience with those guys. Um, we will get, I think, a few of them out of the door. Maybe not all of them. 
Uh, Eddie and Ketia, though, is not one that I think we're looking to actively move on, particularly if Balogun goes, which, judging by the, the comments we heard from him a little bit earlier on in the show, you can't say uh, that he's definitely staying put, can you? So um, we'll have to see on that. Um, I'll move on to this one from Westbird, and I'll throw this at you, Dan. What do you think Arteta's main fault was last season, and what and where does he need to improve on going into the new system? New system, new season, I should say. Uh, this is a good question, actually, because not a lot of people want to kind of admit that there were some problems with Mikel Arteta. Um, every season, there's a problem with a manager or a player or a team. Um, this manager is no different. Um, unbelievable job in the league. Overachieved for me. Um, didn't like the way that we went out of the trophies, and I made that quite clear. But what I'll say in terms of his where he could improve and where he was at fault last season, his in-game management at times was a worry for me, Harry. His substitutions the timing of some of his substitutions, how he kept it way too late. Um, some of his starting selections were a very, very strange point of the season for me. Um, and I'll give you an example. He brought Holding in and then he changed to Kivior. He realised he'd made that mistake. Um, he left Zinchenko on for far too long at Anfield and then only brought Tierney on when we were went to uh, conceded a goal. At West Ham, we needed a goal. He took off Jesus and put on Jorginho. We didn't score. At Southampton, Granit Xhaka was ill and he played Fabio Vieira there and we just completely looked like absolute death in midfield. Um, quite a few, to be fair. Um, maybe a bit harsh because I think he did a lot right, <laughs> particularly the first half of the season. It was pretty much phenomenal from him. So I can't get too harsh on the guy, but if I had to answer that question, there'd be a few things that I would say. So... I think um, he can improve. And I think Mikel Arteta is a manager and a human being that would look at those and think, right, I can't do that again. I'm expecting him to learn quickly because he did learn quickly from the season previously in certain yep. games. And I expect him to learn quickly from those as well, man. I'll tell you what I really, really liked about... Yeah, I, I agree with that. What I really, really liked about Arteta last season was that he seemed to learn from the season before. Yeah. And what I also really liked was... At the end of the season, and I know the emotion was really raw at the end. And, you know, what that day where we kind of surrendered the title, you know that, you know, you know that it's done. You know that it's over and that must really, really hurt. And often you would have a reaction, but maybe you probably need to go away and process what you've seen and, and think about the bigger picture before you make any rash decisions. But Mikel Arteta was quite strong on the fact that we need to be more ruthless you know, we know what went wrong was was one of his sort of points that he put across, which really I thought I thought was refreshing to hear, um, you know, because it means that he recognises where the problems are. And it reinforced for me how much he wants to win and how mm. desperate he is to win. And I think you're seeing that a little bit now this summer because he's allowed Granite Xhaka to go. He might allow Thomas Partey to go. And he might be refreshing, essentially, the engine room of our team, which maybe suggests that that's where he feels it went wrong. Mm. You know, I, I don't know for sure, but, you know, no. I'm just kind of trying to read between the lines here. It's interesting, isn't it, that he's really proactive instead mm. of kind of resting on his laurels. He wants to change well, things and make the, it better. There's a couple of things as well with him that he has done really well. And there's a couple of things that I think you can do better. I've mentioned the in-game management, substitutions, timers for that. I stand by that. I also think there's definitely um, defensively at home, we need to improve. 
because last season that was quite embarrassing. There was only Leeds and Southampton that conceded more uh, at home. It than was Arsenal. only in the second half of the season, though, wasn't it? Which is why mm. what, what like I know we were missing Saliba, but the the goals that that sort of being leaky at the back crept in just before Saliba got injured, didn't it? So it wasn't yeah. purely down to that. So I think we can improve that, and that's not any individual. That's like defending as a unit, I think, um, particularly at home. Um, but the one things that I will say that he has learned two things that I saw this season. One was the bounce back ability. Um, mm. Whenever we went one nil down, we lost, didn't we? Or we drew. Now we're going goals down and we're turning it round and we're winning games. And the other thing is definitely from the old Trafford game onwards, when we got back into a game, we weren't going gung ho and just throwing them away. Um, there were games that we'd lost and we, we didn't have a chance of getting into like Man City away. We were just beaten by the better side but there were games where actually we were getting into the game and and keeping it there and going right let's not do something nothing silly do you remember at old trafford we got one one we were the better side we went gung-ho and they end up catching on to the break twice we lost the game three one you know i remember walking out of old trafford with you looking at each other going oh, we should be devastated here but how the hell did we lose that three yeah. one and we'd learned from that in the next few in the next few weeks coming weeks and we didn't lose a game for a while so there's definitely some improvement man he's i think he's a quick learner um but unfortunately he's still a young manager isn't he so he's gonna yeah. he's gonna make mistakes man it's just about trying to learn from them and move forward man yeah for sure absolutely uh let's take a couple more uh let's take one more before we go because i know you've you've got a dash i've got a dash as well i asked the missus to to get dinner ready for five o'clock if i'm not inside at five o'clock god help me uh, god help me uh this one from uh rafael he says it's so funny because everyone says arsenal need to win now but i bet everybody has city as favorites for every title so how can you say a team has to win when you don't even really believe they can win. It's a good point, isn't it? <laughs> like, yeah, man. This is this is what I was kind of alluding to earlier on, that you can only do so much in terms of preparation. And even if you don't win, it doesn't always mean that your preparation was wrong or that you made the wrong decisions because football is one of those games and one of those sports where there are so many factors. What referee did you get on the day? Um, you know, how did things go? Sometimes you hit a shot from 30 yards, it flies into the top corner, Sometimes you'll hit one, it goes off of someone's ass and it goes in. Like there's so much sort of variation in football and there are so many variables that it can be difficult to kind of say, I think categorically, you must do this or you must do that. What Arsenal definitely have to do though, and must do in my eyes, is challenge and compete. As long as you got that, then I don't like, if we finish second narrowly to City again, I wouldn't say that it was a failure of a season. Mm. I'd, I'd say, okay, we done what we were expected to do. We, it wasn't a, an amazing season, but it wasn't a failure either. For me, a big one, Dan, I don't know about you. I really want to see Arsenal have a good crack at the Champions League. Of course. Of course. Like, this is the thing. We, Manchester City have not done a quadruple yet. Now, I wouldn't like to put money against the fact they won't do it this coming season because they're phenomenal and they're the best they have been, right? But they're very, very unlikely to do a quadruple. Why? Because it's never been done before. So it means that we're in those four competitions that Manchester City in for the first time in what feels like forever because we've been out of the Champions League for so long. That means that we have to go and get a trophy this season because the likelihood it is that Manchester City aren't going to do a quadruple because they never have before. So we need to try and do that. Now, a lot of people will say, well, what happens if Arsenal comes second to Manchester City? They lose to Man City in the Carabao Cup final. They lose to Man City in the FA Cup final and they lose to Champions League in the FA Cup final. Well, if that happens, then, of course, we've come second to the best team that's ever lived. 
right? So you can't sit there and say, this is all a disgrace. The process hasn't worked. What the hell are we doing? Let's get rid of everybody and heads need to roll. But at the same time, if we do have a season, which is we've scraped into the top four, we've gone out of competitions to the likes of Leicester and Forest in both domestic cups, and we got knocked down into the group stage of the champ of the Europa League, and now we're up against Club Bruges, then obviously it's been a disaster of a season. But when you look at it, there's nothing stopping us competing to the very, very end in all four of these competitions, getting into the deep stages, getting into the last stages of the Champions League, going and having another title race. This is what we're supposed to be doing this season, is it not? Or are we supposed to just be taking part in the competitions? If we get to a couple of quarters, that'll be all right. As long as we get to second place in the league, we're happy again. But we've got to be winning something for me. And I know you're not entitled to win an FA Cup, Carabao Cup and the Champions League every season. But for me, I think looking on paper at all the teams around us in Europe, Arsenal should be trying to get into the semi-finals, at least, of the Champions League. Because I don't think there's more than four or five teams in European football at the moment that look at and go, well, we ain't beating those five because they're way better than Arsenal. They're miles ahead. Mm. Like, not even close. This is us. It's like, I mean, why as we be Swindon compared to these teams? Like, that's not for me. Like, we are in a very, very good position, in my opinion. And, and injuries aside, first 11 we've just put up there, there's a lot of teams in Europe that would want seven or eight of those players, Harry. Real talk. There's not going to be many in European football that go, hmm, yeah, I might take Saka, but the rest can do one. I ain't really interested in the others. Well, there's yeah, a agree. lot of players there. So no excuses this season for me, man. Back the manager like we're seeing at the moment. Keep going in the prim- in the uh, transfer window and let's go for them, man. I'll need to see a trophy and I've, I've, I've got to see it, man, because I feel like this team deserves to win something, mate. I really do. And even when, like, sort of the end of Wenger's time, we never used to say that we had seven or eight players that everybody would want. It was Alexis Sanchez, Mesut Ozil. That was about it. Yeah. Beyond that, there wasn't. And that's why, again, I know there's been investment. And I know Arsene Wenger spoke yesterday, didn't he, to Eurosport. And he said, you know, I didn't have any money. But if I did, I, you know, I would have done things differently. And, you know, he had to re-emphasize <laughs> that point, which is true to a degree. He didn't for a certain period. I get that. But yes, the money's been spent, but we've spent it well. Look at how United have spent over the last few years. They've spent it dreadfully. They've overpaid for players. Yep. They now have a squad that they, is overbloated. They need to cut people from it. They're trying to offload their £80 million centre-half. They've stripped him of the captaincy because he's terrible. It's you, know, you can spend it badly as well. Anyway, we are going to leave it there. We've run over. Apologies. Um, apologies to those in the chat as well whose questions we didn't get around to. Uh, But we will be back, of course, tomorrow with another show, unless something major breaks here on the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Dan, before you go, tell everybody about your channel. Tell them what they can expect. Tell them what you do and tell them how they can find it. Well, listen, people, make sure you do me a favor, first of all, and smash a like on this one. Subscribe to the channel. Get Harry up to where he needs to be on the road to 30K, which is amazing, bro. So fair play and big up to yourself for doing that. Thank you for having me on. Secondly, thank you for everyone in the chat for being kind. That doesn't always happen with me, so I appreciate that. Um, And uh, if you do want to come follow me, then my Twitter handle and Instagram I'm now on as well is at DanArsenal87. If you would like to come over to my podcast, we're literally a few hundred away from 11K. So that'd be amazing if you could come and help us with that, people. That'd be great stuff. It's at Football's 12th Man Podcast. I'll be on later tonight at 10 p.m. with some Premier League influencers that you'll all know. Uh, I've got LB joining me tonight. I've got Joe from Just Joe uh, and uh, also got Pete uh, from Loaded Mag. So we're going to be talking all things Premier League. There's a talk of Balogun, the talk of Party, the talk of Harry Kane, the talk of Mares. It's all going to be discussed tonight. So make sure you head over and give it a look. And thank you, Harry, for having me on. 
Thank you for joining me as always, Dan. Thank you to all our listeners for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back very, very soon with more. Until next time, have a great evening. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.